Hi, this is Amy Writes Words, number 27, with your host, Amy Newell. The Owl of Hope. I've been thinking about hope a lot. As the year turned over, I found myself beset by difficulties. Of course, there was the arrival of Omicron, making the entire holiday season seem less like a celebration and more like Yeats's rough beast slouching toward Bethlehem to be born. Or like waiting for the uninvited guest in the mask of the Red Death. I'd really rather be waiting for Godot. Yes, I did cram three literary references into this paragraph. I was almost an English major. Words are important to me. Next, it was the first Christmas I've had in several years where we had no particular reason to celebrate. The person who dragged our reluctant Jewish family into Christmas isn't in our lives anymore. And I feel that loss keenly. I tried to cram myself full of Christmas candy and fatten myself on eggnog just the same. But it wasn't the same. It was sad. There's the ongoing stress of family medical problems to manage. Some days it seems like all I do is email therapists. Christmas Day itself was a little bit festive, until it wasn't. In the afternoon, I received some unexpected and disheartening news, which required me to pivot hard and fast, come up with alternate plans, be creative when I felt my back against the wall. And finally, finally, the cherry on top of all of this, our beloved family cat has a kidney that has reached the end of its life perhaps in solidarity with classic Blackberry devices, also end-of-lifed this week. The other kidney, we're told, is working as hard as it can. This week, we'll go learn to to give the cat subcutaneous fluids, assuming the animal hospital remains staffed. This week, I make more phone calls and send more emails, and fill out more forms, and have more Zooms. And I try to remember that all this work I'm doing, this caregiving, is real labor. I am not underemployed. I'm busy doing labor that doesn't count. I work. I am working. I work every day. As far as the economy goes, however... I barely exist. So it's been tough. Sometimes I just lie down on the floor wherever I am in the apartment and cry, and one of the kids will ask if I'm okay. I'm tired, I say. I am just so, so tired. I was challenged to offer a six-word story about my 2021. I wrote... I am exhausted. Fuck the patriarchy. New Year's Eve was lackluster. For 2021, I had the energy to dress up at least. I did photo shoots for Instagram all evening for 2021. For 2022, I did not change out of my cashmere sweatpants. We didn't even open the champagne. I had a headache and went to bed before midnight. 
On Sunday, the 2nd of January, however, I went owling with my friend Rachel. We went up to Plum Island in hopes of seeing a snowy owl. Rachel is a birder, and she had read that some snowy owls had been spotted on Plum Island, which was unusual. I'm not a birder myself, but it seems to me that birders know a thing or two about hope. They travel long distances and wait patiently in any weather on the mere whisper of a hope that they will have a powerful encounter with a bird. We got up far too early for my taste and drove over an hour to meet up with Rachel on Plum Island. On our way in, we paid $5 to a man in a toll house, and he asked us why we'd come out there on this cold and rainy January morning. A friend said we might see a snowy owl, I told the man. Well, you might, he said, and you might not. As it turned out, the owl was already waiting for us. We pulled into the first parking lot and went to the bathroom. And as I came out of the bathroom, a woman with a tripod and the longest camera lens I'd ever seen overheard me wondering if we would see an owl and said to me, yes, she's just sitting on the boardwalk railing up there. And indeed, she was. We walked up to where the other bird people were watching the owl. She sat on the railing at the top of the sand dune. There was a cold, light rain. We could see the ocean, dark and choppy, and the wet beach and the dunes, and the moss and the lichen growing green against the sand, and the golden grasses against the gray sky. But most of all, we could see the owl. She sat there, turning her head around and around in that always uncanny way owls do, scanning the dunes. She didn't seem worried about the humans and our extra-long eyepieces. Her own eyes were piercing and her gaze was calm. We were breathless, though, and trembling. You might even say we were overcome with awe. If I were Mary Oliver, I would have written a poem about it. And who knows, maybe I still will. Later, when we got home, I remembered an Emily Dickinson poem known as Hope is the Thing with Feathers, parentheses 254 or 314. There seems to be some dispute about what number to apply to this poem. In any case, since her copyright has run out, I can quote it to you in full. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Now, I know hope doesn't always show up for an appointment the way that owl showed up for us. Sometimes we have to go seek it out. Sometimes we have to work for it. Last week on Twitter I wrote... If you think I seem too hopeful and it seems unrealistic or fake, let me clarify. 
I am clinically depressed more than half the time, and I work for every ounce of hope I have. Every day I dig the hope out of my heart with nothing more than a spoon that I sharpened with my despair. Sometimes we have to wait, hoping for hope. Sometimes we need other people to lend us some of their hope. But I do believe, as Dickinson writes, that hope never stops singing. And if we keep showing up for it, if we keep listening, we will find it always shows up for us. Hope shows up as a sparrow or a starling, as a robin or an owl. It shows up when someone drops off 195 masks for the teachers at their child's public school. And when someone volunteers at the food bank, and when a friend drops by with a spare pulse oximeter, and when a veterinarian takes 45 minutes at 7 p.m. on New Year's Eve to call you up and talk to you about your cat's kidneys. You can find hope in books, in music, in your favorite webcomic, and sometimes even on your least favorite social media site. Sometimes strangers shine with it. Sometimes it's that one lone striker in the pouring rain holding down the picket line for their co-workers. You might hear hope in prayer or meditation or in gospel music or in the Psalms. You might find it when someone sends you a thank you note at exactly the moment you most need some thanks. Or you might find it when you are hiding from your family in your closet on a Zoom call with a friend, just breathing together. I think that breathing together with other people is a wonderful way to nurture hope. Probably that's part of why singing together feels so good. The upshot of this line of thinking is that the future must include a lot of karaoke. Look, like I said last week, we have here a world that is too hard to live in, even for the most privileged among us. We have to change. We have to change because the climate crisis is here, because the gospel of perpetual growth is suicidal, because this world we have is wearing us all down and grinding us up, and it's doing the same thing to our children. I have two teenage children, and it is absolutely clear to me that the most important thing I can do for them right now is teach them how to hope. We have to teach our children how to hope, and we do it by listening hard for hope itself, hard for hope ourselves, by lighting it and tending it and sharing it with one another. On the way home from the encounter with the owl, my phone buzzed me to record my mood. I felt good, I noticed. I hardly ever feel good. In all of 2021, I recorded 1,003 individual mood scores, averaging three a day. Only 122, 12% of those were good. But I went on a cold, wet morning with people I love and a sliver of hope that I would see something miraculous. And I walked on the earth, and I was quiet, and I did see something miraculous, and it made me feel good. It brought me joy. It filled me up, and I know that I need to do this again and again and again.
We all do. In 2022, let's listen together for the song of the hope that perches in our souls. And when we hear it, let's sing it. I don't just mean sing. I mean live in the world like singing. Borrow the song if you have to. Share it if you can. There's a whole lot of hard right now and a whole lot of hard coming. And we need all that stuff some folks seem to think belongs only to the religious or only to a certain religion or only to people who live in the country or only to people who don't do drugs or only to people who lift themselves up by their own bootstraps, only to a certain kind of person. But it doesn't. Hope belongs to every single one of us including all of us who have been running ourselves ragged for years for our families and our careers and hardly know anymore if we have anything left that isn't all of that, anything left that isn't just operational, that isn't exhaustion, that isn't complicity or security or our desperate late-night consumption of self-care. We do have something else we have hope. Hope is not annual recurring revenue, and it's not stock options, and it's not a Series C, and it's not an IPO, and it's not RSUs, and it's not TC400K. It's not Ritalin or Concerta. It's not Lexapro or Abilify. You can't mint it as an NFT or mine it like crypto. You can't earn it. It's not VP. It's not CTO. It's not a competency matrix or a performance review or a QBR or an OKR. It's not observability or chat ops. It is not a new team collaboration tool now with Kanban view. It is not a new at-home blood test or a chat bot that teaches you CBT. It is not any kind of business thing at all. Hope, like Soylent Green, is mostly made of people, and also, sometimes, owls. Let's all sing more of it this year. If you liked this newsletter or podcast, why not share it or subscribe to it? Subscribing, especially with money, is a great way to sing hope my direction. You could also just hit reply And tell me something about what you read and what it meant to you. I like that too. Also, if you like my writing, why not check out the private beta of my newest writing project, Amy Writes Poems, which a critic recently called an exciting addition to the Amy Verbs Noun cinematic universe. This week's poem goes with this week's newsletter. If you feel like maybe you're going crazy, don't forget to subscribe to Woe, too. Finally, RubyConf recently released the video of the talk I gave there about debugging product teams. Check it out. If you have a product team, you need help debugging. Why not ask me about my coaching or consulting services? Finally, finally, I'm looking for someone who can help me with a book proposal. Please smash that reply button and let me know if you can help here. Thanks so much for listening. There's one footnote attached to this newsletter and a couple of uh, tweets.
tweets included that have photographs. So if you want to see a picture of the owl or of the lone striker, then um, check out the written version of this to see those. And um, I'll just read you the footnote, which is a, a, a footnote to my um, mood stats. Uh, I gave you my 2020 mood stats. Uh, in 2020, I averaged 11% of 753 entries were good. And in 2019, it was a full 25%, but a much smaller sample of only 333 entries, which means I didn't even cover every day. And the days I didn't cover were likely the worst ones. So that while you might conclude that the pandemic cut my already crappy numbers for feeling good in half, which would certainly make sense, I'm not totally sure that the data support that and I don't want to bother my data friends with the useless question of just how much sadder the pandemic really made me. That's all, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, talk to you next week. Bye now. Happy New Year. <laughs>